Again, friends, and welcome back to another edition of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast. This week, reviewing Mid-South Wrestling Television from September 24th, 1983, taped on September 14th, 1983 at the Irish McNeil Boys Club in Shreveport, Louisiana. I am the great Brian Last. My pleasure to be with you once again. And of course, joining me as he does each and every week, you know him and love him. Mike Mills. Mike, how are you today? I'm good, Brian. Looking forward to another week of Mid-South Wrestling. As we said in the last week, we're kind of in that valley period, so keep that in mind as we go through another fun episode of Mid-South. However, we do get Bill Watts back in the commentary chair with Boyd Pierce. So, of course, whenever you've got Watts there, you've got a lot of things being said of note. We'll have some fun with that, I think, later, if, if, I'm, if I'm thinking about this clearly here. But another fun show we've got ahead of us. Let's go to the show open right now. Boyd Pierce and Cowboy Bill Watts. Tradition of Mid-South Wrestling Television. I'm your host, Boyd Pierce, and we have a lot of exciting action. The Battle of the Hacksaws this week here on Mid-South Wrestling. Hacksaw Jim Duggan versus Hacksaw Butch Reed. Also, the inimitable Junkyard Dog takes on 383-pound one-man gang. So many of you have asked us and written requesting the popular girl wrestlers they are here this week and they'll be in a mixed tag team match so lots of exciting action there's none better to tell you about it than our guest commentator cowboy bill watts bill well i think you've said it all of course the 313 pound nikolai volkov from moscow one of the world's strongest men also jim the anvil needhart a lot of great action my friend rusty barber some of the kids in wheelchairs and a full packed house here at the Irish McNeil Boys Club. Let's go right to the ring for a great main event with Reeser Bowden introducing. Well, there it is, the open of the show. And like Bill Watts said, we're going right to a main event match for Mid-South Wrestling. The one-man gang with General Skandar Akbar versus the junkyard dog, Rick Ferreira, the referee. Before we play some audio here, any thoughts, Mike? Reeser announces one-man gang weighing 387 and a half pounds. I mean... I guess that half pound really makes a difference when you're nearly 400 pounds. So I wanted to point that out because Reeser, Reeser's always so gold. Uh, dog hits the ring, and he's going to waste no time as he goes right after, actually, Akbar. Uh, the crowd, uh, they feel like they're getting up a little bit, but it's still kind of what we were talking about last week where it was just, I don't know, you know, they're, they're, we're in that valley like we've talked about. But I, I just popped when... JYD goes right after Akbar. He's coming into the ring. He wants a piece of Akbar. So that was my opening comments on this match. Well, let's get right to it. Let's hear the opening minutes of the match. Cowboy Bill Watts on commentary, and you may even hear in the background a Houdat chant. Let's go to this. In the battle zone, Bill. Well, I'll tell you, Akbar has really got a lot of the guys frothing at a fever pitch. And sometimes a disadvantage. Look at the one man gang. It looks like he's going for a fast ball. 
He was going for the post right then. 386 pounds, and the gang is no stranger to the junkyard dog. The gang is a man who wrecked Dusty Rhodes in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Got Dick Murdoch. Got Big Ernie Ladd, one of the last matches of his career, and got to the junkyard dog. So he has been in the employ and the pay of Skandar Akbar for quite some time. And you know when the general puts out the money, he's liable to bring them in, and they're always big and tough. He's got Kamala, the Ugandan warrior. He's had the one-man gang on the East Coast, headlining bouts in Charlotte, Raleigh, Roanoke, Greensboro, and the tremendous area of hot battle wrestling in that area. So Akbar's tentacles go everywhere. But listen to this crowd. There's only one for this whole crowd. You hear him chanting, JYD, JYD. And JYD is 293 pounds. And look at the difference in size between him and this monster. A tremendous main event. But like I say, it's the size of the heart in the dog and the fight in the dog. That's what makes the difference. And JYD didn't pump that iron just to get to where he looked good. He pumped that iron where he had that strength to be able to pull it back when he had to go. And Butch Reed, North American champion, if you're watching it, you watch this JYD, because I can guarantee you he's going to be coming after you. Of course, you've got Hacksaw Dugan later today right here on TV. Reverse chin lock. The crowd saying, who that? Who that? I was just going to comment there, Bill, that Junkyard Dog is in tremendous physical condition regardless of what Hacksaw Butch Reed says, and heavy hangs the crown of a champion. You know that's yeah, through the years. You hear the whole crowd rocking. Who that? Who that going to beat that Junkyard Dog? Who that? They're with him. They chant with him. This guy is a true hero. Well, there you hear at the opening of the match. Fans are into it, and of course, the Houdat chant, which we haven't heard in a long time in the Irish McNeil Boys Club. Yeah, it's been, wow, I'm trying to remember. It feels like it was in 1982 that I clipped it. I put it on, a, I put it on my Twitter feed one time when he was saying, I thought that was 1982, but I don't know. I, I, I'm bad with dates, and I always lose, uh, lose count of things. Things go, things always seem further away than they actually are. But anyway, uh, you hear the Kudat chant going right there for Dog, and and of course Watts brings it up as well. Always nice to hear that. Uh, I don't, I mean, I honestly didn't remember hearing it in '82 or whenever I whenever I clipped it. So it's always cool when you hear that. And again, you know, obviously the Saints still use that to this day. I thought Brian, as we talk about this match, oh, real quick, I wanted to make a big point. Watts is now putting over JYD, bulking up and putting on some sides. And if you remember. I think it was last week, JR mentioned how he was bulking up. And that's why I said I thought that JR was just kind of regurgitating what Watts was saying. So all of a sudden now Watts is talking about the bulking up of the dog and he's not sitting there saying he's resting on his laurels anymore. So I wanted to point that out. JYD, I'm sorry, one man gang, he is bumping around a lot for the dog. He is not just standing on his feet. He is taking some bumps, uh, putting over the dog well with those bumps as, as I say that. Let's hear some more audio from the closing minutes of the match. Some interesting stuff happens here, which would work into things that happen later in the show. Body slam. One man gang. Good golly. Good golly. If he wipes, he will wipe dog out. Fortunately, with his ponderous bulk, it took him a little too long to get up there, and dog was able to get out of the way. But that's an awesome threat. Look, referee breaking him up. Now look at Akbar. Akbar, the scavenger, 
the jackal, the hyena, getting his shots in. The junkyard dog, he slapped the general's face. He really slapped the general's face, knocked his turban or his headgear or his tablecloth or whatever you call it clear off. Akbar wanted, Akbar wanted the one-man gang to fire JYD into him. He was going to punish him, but the dog beat him to the shot. Look at the howl. He's howling, and that's not the move. He got him up for the thump. He thumped the big one-man gang. Look at Akbar. Rick Ferrar calling for the disqualification, but dog's got a piece of Akbar. He's going to gnaw on that bone for a while. Here comes Boris Zirkov into the ring. Three of them on there. Nikolai Volkov strangely just standing there watching it all. Akbar waving. He's waving somebody in. Oh, it's Darso. He's waving Crusher Darso in. The man the Junkyard Dog beat this last week. And he's got Dog at his mercy. There goes Darso. Darso hit the one-man gang. Darso hit the one-man gang. Something's gone wrong in the general's plans. Something's gone wrong in the general's plan, and Darso is beating the one-man gang up. Now Darso's beating up Zirkov. Something's gone crazy. The general waved Darso in. And now they're both beating up on Skandar Akbar and the one-man gang. They're on the run. Junkyard Dog, winner by disqualification. And Darso going to leave the ring. Listen to this crowd here at Darsh and the Old Boys Club. JYD and Darso look at each other man to man. They met in a great battle here last week. Dog, dogs looking at it. Darso looking back, these are two big men. I don't know if Darso's gonna challenge him or what. Dog turning him around. Dog offered him his hand. I'll tell hand. you, Bill Watts, that's something else. I never expected to see anything like that when he came through the ropes after being urged in by Skandor Akbar. We'll be back. There's more action coming after this important message. So there's a lot going on there. I'm going to let you talk about it, but I guess one important note here is while all this is happening, this entire match, Nikolai Volkov is standing at ringside with his arms crossed, watching everything. But Mike, talk about what your thoughts are of the Closing minutes of this match, the one-man gang versus the Junkyard Dog and the eventual arrival of Crusher Darso in the ring. Well, as we're getting to the finish of the match, Bill Watts, I I erupted with laughter. He, Akbar is choking JYD and the ref's back is turned. And Watts says, look at Akbar, that jackal, that hyena. And then he calls Akbar's headgear a tablecloth. So I howled with laughter at the commentary from Watts right there. I thought it was great. Akbar gets involved, as you heard on the commentary. Um, you know, Dog hits the gang with a thump, but Akbar comes in and Dog slams Akbar. It's a DQ. And as you heard, Zerkov comes in the ring. You know, he's wheeling and dealing, helping out um, on the Dog and the gang. Darso eventually comes in and we're thinking, okay, well, here it is. JYD's about to get ganged up on again because that's just what that's what happened a few weeks ago. But no, you know, Darso actually helps clear the ring and he helps the dog out. The dog and Darso stare at each other for a little while, kind of like, all right, you know, feeling each other out. And then JYD extends his hand and they slap hands. And we look to have a babyface Darso here 
We need an explanation as to why we've got a baby-faced Darso here, but we'll look to have a baby-faced Darso here now who assisted the dog in fighting off these wretched heels. And once again, at the whole time this is happening, Nikolai Volkov standing at ringside watching it. And that hey, he doesn't move. Doesn't move. And that ties into the next match. Yeah. Boris Zerkov versus George Weingroff with Johnny Martinez as the referee. We're going to hear a few different bits of audio from this match. Let's hear a little bit of the first one. Cowboy Bill Watts' thoughts on Russia. Courage, Bill. That's right. And not handicapped though he was, he was waving that shirt of his that had USA on it against Zerkov because there's no love between Americans and Russians, especially with Russia again showing its true colors in the recent international events. Fireman's carry by Weingroff, and I see Nikolai Volkov stoically standing there, the powerful man, watching this bout. Of course, Russia, you know, it amazes me when politicians and people think that you can bargain with Russia, that you can appease them. It's just like trying to appease the hand of a rattlesnake. They're going to strike and do as they please. The problem is we've let them get so strong, they can do as they please and laugh at us now. And that's certainly the American athletes really resent this. I hope the American people do, too. You look at all the countries that have had signed agreements with Russia, Estonia, my wife from Estonia, she can tell you a lot about what the treaties with Russia mean. It means they walk in and take over your country when you're unarmed, ship your leaders off to Siberia and to death camps that they never return from. I shouldn't get that outspoken here on television, but I got to lay it down like it is. I believe in America, but I believe in a strong America. And I prefer, I'm for George Weingroff or anybody that's against Zerkov or Volkov or Gromikov or any of the other ones. Dan Dropov. Good move by George Weingroff. Well, there you hear it, Mike. Cowboy Bill Watts does not like Russia, seemingly any Russian at all. And he talks a little bit about some geopolitical issues. Of course, his wife, Eni, from Estonia, talks about leaders being sent off to death camps in Siberia. Pretty heavy stuff here from the cowboy. Yeah, you 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 summarize it well. You just took all the points I was going to make uh, with the wife and and the leaders being shipped off to Siberia and never be heard from again. I, I tell you what's funny about this. You know, we talk about wrestling and Watts is a great worker on commentary and he knows how to weave in storylines and make things sound all great to button things up from the storyline perspectives of what's going on with his wrestlers and his promotion. But he's shooting right there. That's Bill Watts's like real mind shooting. And he is just going off on Russia and in, in, in taking over, you know, like Estonia and how it was taken over. And of course, you know, I understand it hits home for him because of his wife being from Estonia. It makes sense. But man, Russia is the full topic of discussion <laughs> at the early portion of this match. And actually, probably about half of it, because, I mean, it's a it's not a long match. It, that, that's what he talked about for about half of the match. Before we get to this next portion of the match and the finish with what we're about to see here. Well, let's go to the finish, but there will certainly be more Russia talk from Bill Watts. Let's go to this right now. Boris Zerkov versus George Weingroff. He's got George for the reverse next breaker. Now he goes up for the coup de grace, just like Russia grinds everybody under their boot. They've changed the world map as you see countries fall to them. Like Lennon said, America will sell us enough rope to hang them, hang themselves. And of course, he didn't add that we'd have it on credit. 
But Weingroff's got him. Weingroff's got him in an abdominal stretch. It falls back. Weingroff. Weingroff got the victory. USA all the way. USA. Look at the fans and look at George Weingroff. He's so excited, Bill. Volkov coming in the ring. Volkov coming in the ring. Volkov and... Volkov and some kind of argument with Zerkov. And Zerkov... Russian attacking Russian. Volkov, Volkov's annihilating Zerkov. I don't know what they are saying to each other. There was some kind of heated words exchanged. And the powerful Volkov is beating up one of his own countrymen. I'd love to see another civil war in Russia, not only just in this wrestling ring. Look at the power of Volkov. He takes that 270-pounder down, back breaks him, then picks him up, presses him, and down again. I've never seen such power. This is a powerful machine. And Zerkov leaves helpless on the floor, laying there, and now look at Volkov stare at everybody. And we'll be back when action continues after this message on Mid-South Wrestling Television Network. Well, there it is, Mike. George Weingroff, an abdominal stretch into a roll-up, gets the surprise victory. The place, everyone's happy about that. A big pop for him. You feel good for George. He actually celebrates and you feel happy for him. And then Volkov, disappointed that Zerkov got pinned by an American, starts attacking him. There's almost a pop for that. The fans don't understand what to think of this. They just met Nikolai Volkov last week, or, you know, if you were there in the building earlier this taping. All of a sudden, he's attacking Zerkov, who's been there for months as the dreaded Russian, although Watts has never been this heavy about Russia on commentary before during his matches. The fans don't know what to think of this. What did you think of all this? So you made a good point. You know, Nikolai just came in last week, so we, we've only seen him now for two weeks and i mean this is the same taping from last week right brian same date if, if my if my dates are right correct that's right september 14th 83 yeah so you've got the, the this this is the first time they're seeing this man so so to paint the picture they saw him in a match that he dominated in one against an enhancement talent i mean it was johnny rich but still um and johnny rich is a fan favorite now they saw him earlier in this episode again during the same taping where he sat there with his hands folded he didn't he didn't help JYD. He just watched, but he also did not help Akbar. So it's like, huh, I wonder what's going on here. He just observed and then he walked off slowly. So I I think like George won and he got a nice cheer. And Zerkov is in the ring, who Zerkov has been an established heel. I guess you could say arguably he was a tag champion in Mid-South and he was aligned with DiBiase. We've talked about how those tag belts were almost like Freebird rules, I guess, uh, in Mid-South during that time uh, when, when, when he had it with DiBiase, even though he never really was part of the team that won it. But anyway, long story short, they've seen Zerkov now for a while, and he's, he's you know, whether it's an argument or not, whether he's an estab- a, a big heel or not, but he's an established heel. So now Volkov comes in, and he's going to beat him down and dispose of him. So it's almost like the fans were just happy that this guy who helped out DiBiase and his crew got what he finally deserved. But with all that said, we're going to realize in a second that Volkov is not here to help out the folks on the good guy's side. He is not here to help them out, even though when you look at that hard camera shot, when he disposes of Zerkov out the ring, the people are cheering. Now, he's yelling back at him, but they're they're cheering for him. But we'll hear more about 
Volkov in a second. So it is interesting that he gets cheered, but I under, I think I understand why he gets cheered based on everything I just said. Well, what you just alluded to is next. Let's go to this. Jim Ross interviewing Nikolai Volkov. We just had a very unusual situation, Boyd, and we had Jim Ross standing by. We were going to try to get him to interview Barry Darso during one of the commercial breaks to see just what happened in that junkyard dog situation. But he's gone into the ring, and we've asked him to go into the ring and interview Nikolai Volkov and see just what caused this problem between the two Russians. Let's go to the ring and Jim Ross right now. In all of professional wrestling, there are only three or four Russian wrestlers in the United States. The wrestling fans, I'm sure the wrestling fans from coast to coast are wondering exactly what happened, what transpired in your mind to turn on a fellow countryman, a man from your homeland, a man from Russia. He is not from Russia. He's born here in the United States. He's not born like me for the motherland. When they grow men, he's born here in the United States. When a professional lad is grown, a little puppy, beer belly, puppy with a belly button, who have no guts to fight. I'm sick and tired of those guys that sit here in Russia. He's not Russia. He's from here. If he's from Russia, he never lost the match. Because the Russian artists never lost the match. If you look at the Olympics, Russian artists get more gold medals on every Olympic than all other artists from all other countries in the whole world. You're telling me I am from Russia? I have my mind from Russia when I fight here. I don't fight for myself. I fight for my motherland from Russia. Let me tell you, when the Russian talking, when the Russian talking, people listen. Otherwise, if you don't listen, you'll get what you deserve. Because we don't back up from nobody. We are the strongest country in the whole world. The strongest athletes, military the strongest. We don't back up from nobody. We are athletes, we come here to fight. I come here to fight and I see guys like this, make me sick. Turn my stomach out. Hey, tell me why I did you know why? Because I believe it is better to be boss in the hell than be tortured in the heaven. Those comments from Nikolai Volkov. And now let's go back to Cowboy Bill Watts. Well, I couldn't understand it all, but he was pretty upset. He's saying that Zerkov was born in the United States and not a true Russian, that he is from the motherland. And when he fights or wrestles, he fights for the motherland. And that you certainly saw the hardcore line. And I believe you saw a real insight of just what he thinks of the United States. And I don't think any of us can be under any illusion as what the populace of Russia thinks about the United States. Let's go to Reese Bowden now, the next bout in the ring. Well, there it is, Nikolai Volkov with his thoughts, and this kind of explains why he beat up Boris Zerkov, who we've now found out is an American. He's not from Russia. It's interesting, Bill Watts is in a red suit very similar to the one red suit Nikolai Volkov owned and wore every time he saw him wearing a suit for his entire career. What are your thoughts on this promo, Mike? Well, I think it's... He's kind of hard to understand, but that's okay. It feeds the gimmick of him being from Russia. So I I, I thought it was interesting that Volkov just broke a like Zerkov is an American. He's not he's not from the motherland like motherland like I am. And you know Volkov goes on a tirade. Russia's got the best athletes. You know Russia's the greatest. Yada yada yada. I I thought Watts, when Volkov finally wrapped up, did a good job of trying to translate a little bit of what Volkov was saying because he was yelling so much, it was actually kind of hard to understand. But I think most fans got the point that, look, I'm not here to be your friend. I'm not here to help out the good guys. I just was, you know, basically doing my job disposing of this fake Russian. I'm a real Russian. I'm, real, I'm here to do business, you know, for, for, for the motherland and not any other country 
So don't get your, your hopes up as far as that goes. So I thought it was effective. I thought Volkov was really good there. He just looks like an aggressive Russian. I mean, there's no other way to say it. Coming out of that, we get our next match. King Kong Bundy and the Missing Link versus Jerry Caldwell and Denny Alberts. Randy Peewee Anderson, the referee. Bundy and the Link win after Link hits a diving headbutt on Jerry Caldwell. Any thoughts or notes about this, Mike? The only thing I had was Watts kind of slips up and he calls Crusher Darso Barry Darso at one point during the commentary. And he also says, we're going to hear from Darso after this match, and we're going to go to that shortly. Um, you know, I mean, th this was what you expect. You know, Lincoln Bundy win when Link hits, um, I think he hit Alberts with a headbutt off the second rope. I don't really have much else from it. That's uh, what you would expect from these two. Hopefully they're going to win and not lose to these two guys. Well, next we go to Jim Ross interviewing Crusher Darso. A reminder that Darso came in. He's been a heel since he first came in on TV maybe a month ago. And now he has saved the Junkyard Dog. They slapped hands. They seem to be all good. Let's hear what Crusher Darso has to say to Jim Ross. Well, boy, we got Jim the Anvil Needhart. Coming up next, former All-American in high school in football and track, a former UCLA shot putter All-American football player, played with the Dallas Cowboys, the Oakland Raiders, and also is the world's champion anvil thrower. For those of you who don't know what an anvil is, that's a blacksmithing tool, a huge, heavy piece of metal they use to work on horseshoes or bending other metal. And he won this world's record toss at the Calgary Stampede in Canada. He'll be up next. But first, Jim Ross caught... Crusher Darso in the up-front interview, ringside, and during the commercial break, and I'm sure we're all wondering what happened. Let's hear it in the Crusher's own words, and I think it'll be an enlightenment to us all. Last week right here on Mid-South Wrestling, all the wrestling fans saw you, your undefeated win streak, come to a halt at the hands of the Junkyard Dog in a very hard-fought match, a match that could have gone either way. The Junkyard Dog was the victor, however. And then today, here on Mid-South Wrestling, it looked like General Skandar Akbar had had a well-laid plan, like he had recruited you to come to the aid of his men in case he needed the help. Well, he needed the help, you came to the ring, but you helped the junkyard dog. I'm sure the, the whole wrestling world was shocked. I was shocked, and, and like many of our fans, would like to know exactly what happened, what was, what was going through your mind. Well, here's the situation. General Akbar did offer me a large sum of money. He offered me $500, and I have it right here. And I was just thinking about it all week here after Junkyard Dog. He defeated me fair and square, and it's the first time I've ever taken a whooping like that. I mean, the guy just beat me fair and square. And uh, from where I come from, up in the north woods of Minnesota, I was taught to do things right, fair and square, one-on-one, -on -one, and I had my pride here. I was taught to work hard, and things will come to you. And when General Akbar offered me this money, I was sick and tired of having two, three guys in on Junkyard Dog. I've been watching him for weeks, ever since I came into Mid-South here. And it just seems like he hasn't had a fair shake. And I just figured that was it. And I'd really appreciate it if you could give General Akbar his money. I don't need any of this Arab gold anymore. It's just, money's not worth it to me. Well, there you hear from a very proud young man, a great young athlete, Crusher Darso. And that's what we have from ringside at this time. A well-spoken by a powerful young man, but boy, don't anybody be lulled to sleep. You know, in the North Woods up there, and those guys in Minnesota, when they say fair and square one-on-one, -on -one, that means one-on-one -on -one with axe handles, boots, knucks, whatever. Whatever's I mean, available. He's ready to fight. He's just saying he believes it should be one-on-one. -on -one. 
And now let's go to the ring where Reeser Bowden is going to introduce the next bout. Well, Mike, there you hear it. Crusher Darso very humbly has Akbar's $500, doesn't keep it, says he has no use for it. He doesn't need the money. He doesn't want the oil money. And he thought the junkyard dog hasn't been getting a fair shake. Seemed like Bill Watts had kind of had to say at the end, well, he really is tough. You know, ignore the way he spoke. He uses knucks and axe handles, whatever they use in the North Woods. But what did you think of this? I realized why Bill Watts kind of made up for it because he sounds so subdued in the promo that it makes sense why Watts would be like, you know, don't let him lull you to sleep because he really could put you to sleep with those promos. Now, I want to say this about Darso. He also, like, when you see him in Crockett in the later mid-80s, if you ever watch his promos on Saturday night, you know, you got like Ivan is a great promo in his. I mean, he was the best at promo and as a Russian, even though he wasn't a Russian. To me, he was the best. And then you got Nikita who just growls and makes all these noises. But then you'll have like Crusher. <laughs> He'll cut these promos next to those two. And he's kind of subdued in some of those as well. So, like, when I saw this and I rewatched it, I was like, Maybe that was a precursor to some of the stuff he ended up doing on Saturday night uh, later on, uh, you know, in the mid 80s. So anyway, it's not bad, but he obviously is just like really, really super calm. I did love at the end. He's like, I don't need any of this Arab gold (laughs) at the end of it Uh, made me laugh. But he's very, very mellow uh, considering what. I mean, you know, you got to figure he'd be pretty amped up based on everything that's happened in the in the episode. But he just was real mellow, like like he had taken a soma or something. I don't know how to explain it. Very, very mellow Crusher Darso right there. Well, with that, let's go to our next match. Jim the Anvil Neidhart versus Ron Ellis, Rick Ferreira, the referee. Let's hear some words from Cowboy Bill Watts. But actually, let's hear Reese Bowden's introduction first. This event is for one fall with a 10-minute time limit in the red corner at 290 pounds from Reno, Nevada. Jim the Hammer Neidhart. And in the blue corner at 232 pounds from Fort Worth, Texas, Ron Ellis. Ron Ellis versus the man, uh, Bill, because of his record and because of his qualifications that you talked about earlier, it's Jim the Anvil Neidhart. That's right, the Anvil's after him, and I can say the Anvil, he won that throw in Calgary at the big Stampede celebration. That's a 100-pound Anvil. He threw it 22 feet to win the world championship. This man was ranked fifth in the world in the shot put in 1975, and he was a national shot put champion in 1973. Played for the Dallas Cowboys, played nose tackle for the Oakland Raiders. So he's a rugged guy, 575-pound bench press, and he's just a machine. And Ron Ellis is feeling... His ire. He was out there hollering to Ron Ellis before Reeser Biden even made the introduction. Powerful man, broad-shouldered. He's got to be quick. If you play those tackle defense, you've got to have that tremendous quickness as well as that strength because you get hit from all sides. That gives you some indication of just what kind of tough guy this guy is. Yeah, an interesting battle between him and Hacksaw Dugan, wasn't it? Because Dugan was kind of known as a nut in the National Football League, and he speared a few people, and he was on those suicide squads. So you put these two crazies together, and you might see some skin fly. Thinking about Jim Hacksaw Dugan, he's up next 
against Hacksaw Butch Reed in a battle of hacksaws right here on television. This was a match that Grizzlies, oh, Neidhart's saying, get up, get up to Ellis. And Ellis made a mistake. He got up. Oh, that fall away suit play out of a fireman's carry position. That's an awesome move. Reminds me of the Samoans. Awesome, and with that power that Jim Neihart used, it was advantageous to a victory over Ron Ellis. We'll be back to Battle of the Hacksaws after this word from Mid-South. Well, there he is, a match in which he's called Jim Neidhart, as well as Jim the Hammer Neidhart. What are your thoughts on Jim Neidhart versus Ron Ellis, Mike? Uh, the inconsistencies in his name aside, this is a very, very good showing for Neidhart again. He, I mean, if you have the network, go watch these first two matches he's had in Mid-South. He is powerful. He is aggressive. There's no wasted movements. He's not here to flap gums. It's not about fun and games. He's coming in full steam, full bore, 100%. I'm going to whoop you. And that's what he does in his first two matches. And that's how you make a guy matter when you co they come into a territory. You don't 50-50 book them bull crap like you see nowadays. You don't play fun and games with him on this ha-ha stuff. You let a man like him come in and beat some ass, for lack of any other term. And that's exactly what he's done in two straight showings. No wasted movements. Just utter a just plain flat out aggressiveness from Jim Neidhart here and it's great he looks really really good and powerful in he's his first two showings and looks like he's going to be somebody to reckon with in the promotion so far I completely agree with you and for those of you who only know him from the Hart Foundation or the World Wrestling Federation check this out he hasn't even grown out his beard yet so it's a very very young Jim Neidhart who's been impressive here and coming out of that we get our next match I believe it's a non-title match the Battle of the Hacksaws. Hacksaw Duggan versus the North American champion, Hacksaw Butch Reed. Johnny Martinez, the referee. Let's hear some audio from Cowboy Bill Watts, the opening minutes of this match, and we'll come back on the other side and talk a little bit more about it. It's more than a battle of New York versus Kansas City. More than a battle of the Hacksaws. It's Jim Duggan versus Butch Reed, Bill. This match was a surprise about Grizzly Smith had not even announced it, and the people were standing on their feet when they saw these men come out. A 260-pound brick house on your left against a 282-pound crazy man, a man that has no regard for his own personal safety. Jim Hacksaw Duke in a battle of the hacksaws. And there's been some battles, and of course, it's been just stuck in Dugan's craw ever since Hacksaw Butch Reed showed on TV where he beat Hacksaw Dugan in New Orleans in a battle of the hacksaws. Magnum TA's just come out. Magnum TA's coming out. George Weingroff, there's the people coming around. I don't know if they're coming around to spectate or coming around to maybe make sure it stays and treasure Darso's words one-on-one -on -one because... The last time these two men met, right here on Mid-South Wrestling, if Dugan won the match, he's supposed to get five minutes alone with Skandar Akbar. Akbar had the mighty Kamala hidden in the wings. And of course, right here today, we know he has the one-man gang. Johnny Rich just came out. So while there's a real battle going on in the ring, there's getting to be some support. The wrestlers themselves are coming out just as a kind of camaraderie that they want the big Hacksaw Dugan to have a one-on-one -on -one shake. And I'm sure Dugan's the kind of man says, 
if Reed can beat me fair and square one-on-one, I'll say he's a better man. The junkyard dog has just strolled out the big supper himself. There's quite a bond between these two guys. Quite a rough and tumble bond. And Butch Reed out on the floor. Hey, they're throwing him back in the ring. We got a lumberjack match. An unsigned, unofficial lumberjack match, Boyd Pierce. Exactly, and there's Crusher Darso is down the ring Crusher now. Crusher Darso's out there. A lot happening. Only on Mid-South Wrestling. You know, it really warms my heart to read the mail that comes into Mid-South Wrestling. Oh, a dog. Dog is the first one in to throw Butch Reed right back in the ring. He calls him fried, died, and laid to the side. But it warms my heart to get the mail from the fans out there watching Mid-South Wrestling. They watch wrestling from all over the country now with the cable systems and the tremendous amount of wrestling around the country on television. And they always say how great Mid-South... Oh, Dog and Reed are hooking it up. And Dog just leveled. Brother, did he lay Dog one on just him. laid one on Butch Reed. Notice Dugan. Dugan's not jumping. He's not jumping to the advantage. Well, there it is, the opening minutes of this match. It is a weird match, Mike. Butch Reed, the North American champion versus Hacksaw Duggan. One by one, all the baby faces come out and surround the ring like lumberjacks. No heels come out. The referee allows this. Junkyard Dog just hit Butch Reed. The referee didn't do anything to jump in. What are your thoughts on what's going on here? Well, you nailed it. I was going to make that point that you just made, but I also wanted to say one other thing. Uh, you had kind of speculated it, that it was uh, non-title. Reeser never says if it's non-title or not. We're never told right. that this is a non-title match. It's not announced. We don't know. So you just don't know. Now, again, you get wrapped up in the match, so you quickly forget about it. But that point becomes important as you work to the finish of it. Uh, but you, you're right. The baby faces are around the ring. It's turned into a unannounced lumberjack match. But you got dog laying in the JYD when he's out there. I, you know, everything wasn't airtight, brother. The ref says nothing to it. Uh, it's just one of those things. Now, again, it was very entertaining. I'm not trying to knock the match because we've got two of the biggest stars in the promotion right now going at it, even if it's non-title. So it's still good, but uh, there's some there's some holes in it. <laughs> when you think about JYD, nothing happens with him attacking Reed. Well, let's hear the closing minutes of this match, the finish of Hacksaw Duggan versus Hacksaw Butch Reed. Oh, look at that. Gorilla Slam. He's got Duggan up 282 pounds. He just... Put up in that gorilla slam. When I'm talking about a brick house, you gotta give the devil credit even. But Dugan powered out. Dugan's got a fighting heart. Dugan doesn't know die. He doesn't know quit. He doesn't know give. Reed's taking it to him. This is a battle of two that won't give up. Two men that will. Oh, he went, he went for the slingshot and Dugan. Dugan cleared under it. Dugan cleared under it. Reed missed the big slingshot. There's the spear. There's the spear. Dugan's got him. Dugan's got him. Dugan's got him. Look at this crowd, boy. Look at him stand. Look at the guys congratulating. Look at everybody congratulating Hacksaw Dugan. And there's still more to come. A tremendous victory for Hacksaw Dugan. He put it all into it and let him have it full force. We'll be back when action continues after this important message. Well, there it is. Like we said, a weird match, a weird finish. Hacksaw Duggan pins the North American champion cleanly in the middle of the ring. Not a title change, obviously. 
I'm not exactly sure what the hell they're doing here, Mike. This is just one of those things that you look at old school wrestling and we all love to look at things through rose colored glasses and it's not bad. The fans go nuts. The fans are going nuts because they think Duggan's won the North American title, in my opinion, because it's never announced that it's non-title. But it's just kind of one of those things. It's like, did they really have to do this? Or just, just Watts' way of, I got to bring in some action to these shows, and I got to bring it up a notch. Like, I don't know. I mean, you pin your champion clean on TV. It's just kind of. It's an outlier, I guess is the best way to describe it. Brian, do you do you agree with me that the fans went nuts because they thought Duggan won the title? I think so. I think so. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what else to say on it. I mean, it's it was good. I'm not complaining, but it's just one of those things that you look back at, you're like, man, I don't know what they're doing here. I don't know, Brian. Well, coming out of that weird match, we get Magnum TA versus Tom Stanton, Randy Pee Wee Anderson, the referee. Magnum TA wins with a belly-to-belly suplex. That's all I have. Any notes from you? Well, you, you're just stealing off my notes again over here. <laughs> Nothing much. Magnum wins with the belly-to-belly, and that was that. We get our final match on this week's show, a mixed tag team match. Donna Day and Art Cruz versus Debbie Combs and Johnny Rich, Rick Ferreira, the referee. A couple notes before we play some audio here. At times, this gets a little sloppy. Art Cruz, like I said last week on the show, seems to be a bit off his game the last couple weeks. I think you'll see it again here. You can definitely tell as soon as you watch Debbie Combs that she's not one of Moolah's girls. Very quick, a lot of action in there. Pretty good. There's a couple missed spots with her and Donna Day. I don't know whose fault it is. But let's hear some audio during this match. Once again, Donna Day and Art Cruz versus Debbie Combs and Johnny Rich. On that south, he's become tremendously aggressive. And oh, 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 uh oh, oh, that's oh, Johnny's a little upset about that. Art took him right over, and Donna Day slapped him. I'm sure there's a lot of ladies in the audience that like to do a lot of things to Johnny Rich, but probably slapping him is not one of them. That whole blue eyes, those eyes was. Sparking a little fire. Johnny there. wanted to wait now as yes. Donna Day came in the ring, but he's being forced well, to leave. Donna Day is kind of taking it by the rules of this tag match. As I said before, it's uh, supposed to be when the man tags out and the woman tags in that his opponent tags out and gets the other lady in there. It's supposed to be lady against lady and man against man. Good leg trip takedown by Debbie Combs. Up into a full nose. Oh, Johnny wants it. Johnny with all the crowd. The crowd, Johnny, no, no, Johnny. Oh, he, Johnny, look at Johnny Rich. He kissed her. He put it on her. He put it on her. Look at her. Johnny Rich really turned the tables. I was was sure hoping. Oh, Johnny just kicked Dark Cruz right over the top. Debbie Cove. I was sure hoping Johnny wouldn't slap her. That would have really taken him down a little notch in my respect for him, but he really turned the tables on her. He surprised her. Well, there you hear it. Donna Day slaps Johnny Rich. Johnny Rich returns the favor by kissing her later in the match, something that would probably lead to his arrest in 2020. What are your thoughts about this match, Mike? 
Well, he'd be in jail in 2020. If, uh, <laughs> this, I mean, if you did this on a scripted wrestling program, he would still be in jail because the uh, the, the, the electronic uh, mob, a lynch mob, would come after him on social media for uh, doing something such as this, even though it was a form of entertainment. Bill Watts has a uh, orgasmic moment, uh, similar to orgasmic Larry Nelson or orgasmic David Crockett. Uh, Bill Watts loses it when Johnny Rich <laughs> kisses her. Um, a little sloppiness in this match, most definitely. If you go back and watch it, I'm not going to sit there and tell you uh, this stuff was anything close to a, a good match. I guess it's different because you, you do see the ladies in there fine. I mean, we haven't seen the women in, in, in a while. Other than the spots where you saw, you know, that where they actually mix things up with the ladies and the men, I don't really know if I had much else from it, to be honest with you, Brian. Debbie Combs submits Donna Day. Originally, it was going to be a surfboard, but there was some sloppiness there. It just turned into a modified camel clutch. And the only other note before we wrap things up is they announced next week on the show, the debut of Leaping Lanny Poffo next week on the show. But with that, we wrap up another episode of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast. Want to remind you, you can follow me on Twitter at GreatBrianLast. You can follow the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network on Twitter at SuperPodcasts or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Arcadian Vanguard. You can hear me on the 605 Super Podcast at 605pod.com, available wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Mike, how can the listeners stay in touch with you and booking the territory? Well, first, I can't wait to point out some Bill Watts hypocrisy when Leaping Lanny Poffo comes in, and I'll leave it at that teaser. I've, I've tweeted about it, but I will talk about it when we see Leaping Lanny Poffo. Uh, you can listen to Booking the Territory uh, at tinyurl.com slash bttpod or search Booking the Territory wherever you get your podcast from. We are the Unprofessional Wrestling Podcast. Uh, the jokes are terrible. The language is strong. But myself, Hardbody Hopper, Doc Turner, we have a lot of fun talking NWA Saturday night on TBS from the 80s. We've gone as far back as 85. We're currently into 1989 with the Flair and Funk feud. Lots of fun. We have a great time on that show. So please come give it a listen. Uh, again, just search Booking the Territory wherever you get your podcast from or wherever you're listening to this. You can likely listen to Booking the Territory. We'd appreciate it. Um, Brian, oh, they can. Uh, everybody out there, give me a follow on Twitter at Mike504Saints. I oftentimes will post clips of the shows that Brian and I discuss. And um, yeah, give me a follow. Other than that, Brian, I look forward to next week or maybe it's the week after where we can see some Watts hypocrisy as it comes from coming off the top rope in Mid-South, which is illegal unless you're certain people. And I'll leave it at that. The Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. Your producer is Jace Nakarado. For Mike Mills, I'm the great Brian Last. Tally-ho! Mm -hmm.